Well, amen. Good morning. Happy New Year. I know I'm a little late. Happy New Year. It is 2020. Can you believe we made it? I honestly didn't think we could, but uh, you did it. Good job. Congratulations. 2020. Um, I'm glad you're here. I want to start off our year as a faith community by talking about what I think is one of the most important aspects of growing spiritually. It's something we all want to do. It's one of those things that's just central to the growth process. But here's the thing. It is an area that is really easy to overlook. And I don't want us to overlook it. So we're going to start uh, this week and then next week by really focusing in on this one area of the spiritual growth process. And to get at it today, I just want to talk about five things. It's the new year. We're going to pace ourselves just five things today. I want to read a psalm to you. I want to talk about the website WebMD. I want to talk about therapy. I want to talk about CrossFit. And then I want to encourage you to buy something. And that's it. And then we're going to go home. And that's enough for the new year, for the first service of the new year. So, um, are you ready? Let me pray for us. God, whether we are stumbling into this year or whether we are just running with excitement towards what is to come, uh, we just are thankful for this, that you're with us, wherever we're at, that you're with us. We are thankful for this, God, that there is nothing that we will do this year that will make you love us more. There's nothing that we will do this year that will jeopardize your love for us. There's nothing we will do this year that will make you run from us and hide your presence from us. You are with us, Lord, and we rejoice in that. We take comfort in that. We want to walk with you this year, so we give it to you. Amen. So here's what I want to talk about. This is a a spiritual growth principle that I think is easy to overlook but is really vital for us. Personal reflection drives spiritual growth. Personal reflection drives spiritual growth. People who grow, people who experience healthy spirituality, people uh, who, who grow with God, they inevitably engage in some personal reflection. Now, what I don't mean is they just sit around and do nothing and they just think great thoughts all the time and they're just caught in their mind. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is they engage in, they're intentionally thoughtful about who they are becoming. And they make space to be intentionally thoughtful about who they are becoming because personal reflection drives spiritual growth. That sort of reflection gives space for the Holy Spirit to do something in us And it is a necessary part of spiritual growth. And what I've observed is this, is spiritually healthy people in some way, and it's not always formal, but in some way they ask themselves some good questions like, how am I actually doing? How am I doing? Why am I the way that I am? What is motivating me right now? What am I missing? Is there something that I should be seeing that I'm missing? What are my blind spots? What is God saying to me that I find difficult to hear and maybe because of that I'm resisting? Is there something that I'm not paying attention to that I should be paying attention to? Am I bitter? Am I bitter about something or about someone? Am I being honest with myself? Making space for that sort of personal reflection 
will drive your spiritual growth in healthy ways. All right, first thing, let's look at a psalm. I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 139. Um, you may have discovered this if you've ever read the Psalms. They're kind of like reading someone's private journal a little bit, as you would expect uh, as, people, as they're writing the Psalms. Uh, there's a lot of personal stuff in there. There's a lot of, here's how I feel, here's what I'm thinking about. But you'll notice this, that the psalmists are never just uh, like keeping track of what's happening. It's not like a dear diary, here's what happened today. But it, they're kind of making sense of what is happening. So the, the psalms make sense of life and they give space to engage with God and by God's help, by God's grace to make sense of your life. And that's what I mean when I say personal reflection. The psalms are a lot of personal reflection. So what I want to do is look at Psalm 139, and what we're going to do, we do from time to time around here. I just want to read through it, like beginning to end, and you can follow along in your Bible. We'll have it on the screens, or you could just like close your eyes and just listen. Just get comfortable. Actually, that's a bad idea. Keep your eyes open, um, but you could just listen, uh, but I want to read this Psalm, Psalm 139, beginning to end, without comment, and then I'm going to come back and make some comments about it. So... The author of the psalm is David. Psalm 139, verse 1, he writes this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in before, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light uh, become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. So search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and leave me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139. 
So you may see this in your Bible. If not, um, I'll tell you, there's kind of four stanzas to this little poem uh, that the psalmist writes. And each stanza is focused on a different truth, a different dynamic in our relationship with God. And uh, each one of these truths is really significant and really kind of earth shattering. The first stanza is verse one through verse six. And the, the psalmist is poetically expounding on a very simple truth, but really, when you think about it, a, a quite amazing truth. And it's this, God knows things about us that we do not easily know about ourselves. Did you know that? God knows things about you that you do not easily know about yourself, which is an amazing statement when you think about it. It's amazing because, first of all, that the God of the universe would care enough to know each of us so intimately that he knows stuff about us. Like, that's a pretty amazing thought. But the other thing that's amazing about this is that there are things about ourselves that we don't know. Like, that's amazing. The psalmist says, there is knowledge about ourselves that's too lofty for us to attain. And what he means by that is, this is kind of hard for me to figure out. Now, I've lived with myself virtually my entire life. Um, and I feel like I know myself. I, it feels like I should know myself by now. But th this is true, and I'm sure you've discovered this as well. There are times when I discover something new about myself that I did not know. I'm 43. I'm still learning things about myself. This is why personal reflection drives spiritual growth, because God knows things about you and about me that we do not yet know about ourselves. The psalmist is telling us the truth there. Now, the next stanza he jumps into uh, is verse 6 through verse 12. And basically what he's acknowledging here is that there is no hiding from God. And he doesn't mean that like in the physical sense, like I could hide from God and he wouldn't see me. He's talking about who he is and, and who God created him to be. So he's talking about that there is nothing about myself that is hidden from God. No matter what I do, I can't hide aspects of myself from God. And then he goes on in this third stanza, which is verse 13 through 18, and he's, he's giving us the reason why. He says, listen, you know stuff about me I don't know. There is no way I could hide anything from you about who I am. And the reason for that is because God created us. And it's this amazing truth that the mind behind how we are is God. Did you know that? That the mind behind how you are as a person, who you were created to be, however you are, what that means is that God thought of you. God took thought of what you are like. That God looked down on this earth and he said, I would really like to have someone like this here. He is the mind behind how we are. And then in this last stanza is the rest of the chapter there. Uh, he kind of talks about the wicked and how much he doesn't like them. Um, but he ends with this great line. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's famous verse, beautiful words, but really what it's acknowledging with those two sentences is this, is that he needs God to give him insight about himself. 
Like not just insight about what's true, but insight specifically about himself. And then he also acknowledges this, that he needs God to lead him towards spiritual growth. This whole thing that we, we're all kind of after of growing spiritually, being healthy spiritually, that he, he says, I cannot find that unless you show it to me. And so he invites that. And if that's true about the psalmist, if that's true about King David, then surely that's true about you and I. And that is why personal reflection drives spiritual growth, because we do not know everything that we need to know about ourselves. And we also do not know how to move forward spiritually unless God graciously shows us. And so David is creating space for that. He's inviting God to do it. Let's talk about the website, WebMD. How many of you have uh, been to WebMD? Let's be honest, okay, a few hands. If you don't know what WebMD is, it's a website where you go, and I assume doctors are behind it. Let's hope doctors are behind it, but uh, you type in your symptoms and uh, it tells you kind of what you have. And uh, it's a wonderful little tool. It's hard to remember a world before WebMD. Like, like, did you have to talk to a person? Is that how we found out what we had? How horrible. I much prefer shouting my symptoms into my smartphone. Um, now, uh, I, I'm getting a little older, and if you look in my smartphone, if you look like in the search history, you will discover that I'm getting older because I have recently searched for things like, I actually Googled this the other day, what is wrong with my shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> How much ibuprofen can I safely take? And when, like when you Google that stuff, you go to WebMD and it tells you what to do and it's, it's super helpful. Uh, I have a brother who, he's an emergency medicine doctor and he hates WebMD. He says, my favorite thing, sarcastically, my favorite thing is when someone comes into the emergency room with a printout of WebMD and they're like, <laughs> I have this, can you fix it, you know? Um, and I always mess with them, I'll call them, I'll say, hey, I read this online, what do you think? And he says something snarky, he'll be like, well, I think if you could Google your way to health, then there'd be a lot more healthy people. Um, but anyway, disclaimer. WebMD is not a substitute for seeing your physician. All right, you're tracking with this? Okay, but let me just observe something about WebMD. WebMD exists in our world, and it's an incredibly helpful tool because when we experience a physical illness or a personal, like some sort of an injury or something like that, we intuitively know that we need some guidance. And so we turn to something external to ourselves that hopefully some sort of, someone has some sort of expertise to navigate this issue of physical health because we are unhealthy. And so we consult someone with expertise. We know that we need guidance and we would be foolish to treat our health as if we didn't sometimes need someone to guide us. The same thing is true for our spiritual health, isn't it? Personal reflection drives spiritual growth because we need guidance. All of us, spiritually, we need guidance. If we guide ourselves, we are foolish. And when David says, search me, know my heart, lead me in the way everlasting, he is acknowledging this, that God, I cannot do this without help. And so God, I need your help. I need you to reveal something to me because if you don't, I cannot do this. I'm not capable in and of myself. And in this case, he turns directly to God. If we do not make space for that sort of guidance in our lives spiritually, we will become spiritually unhealthy. Just like if we do not do that physically, we will become physically unhealthy. Let's talk about therapy. 
From time to time, we talk about therapy here at Pulpit Rock. We're fans of therapy. Um, you know, it's one of those ways that you can do this. You can invite God to search you, to know you, to lead you through the guidance of another person. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a mentor. It could be a life coach. It could be a spiritual director. It doesn't even have to be something that costs money. You could just talk to a friend who is wise and talk to them about your spiritual life. But that's the idea. Therapy is a, a way that I found helpful. I'm a fan of it. Um, not all therapy is equal, and there are some bad therapists out there. Uh, so it's not always good all the time, but if you can find a good therapist, and I have found one, then it can be a really positive thing in your life. Um, now, I hope I'm not going to be too transparent for you and make you uncomfortable, but I want to tell you something my therapist said to me the other day. Um, we're talking about some pain and some grief that I was experiencing, and he asked me a question that I think was from God. Like, if God was physically here and I was like, search me, know me, God, like, I feel like this would be the sort of question he would ask me, all right? So I'm talking to him about a pain in my life, and he says this to me. Why is it that when you experience powerlessness in your life, that you assume it's personal failure? That's a good question. He says, why is it, Jonathan, that when you have a moment in your life that you're powerless, I can't do anything about that, why do you interpret that moment as personal failure? Here's the thing. He asked me that question two months ago. I still don't know the answer. I've been thinking about it that whole time. I still, like, it is a good question. It is a true question. There is an answer. If one of you knows, please tell me. There's some sort of an answer to this. I still don't know what it is. Let me tell you something that's true about you. And this is true about me too. There are some dynamics of your soul that will take you years to understand. That's what it means to have a soul. It's complex. There's a mysterious element to it. There is stuff about yourself that it is going to take you some time to really think about, to really ponder, to really engage with. There are some questions that are not easily answered about your soul and how it's working. When the psalmist talks about God and how, God, you knew me in my inmost being, but he also says some of that knowledge is too lofty for me, that's what he's talking about. He's saying, God, there are things that you know about me that I, I'm struggling to get at these things. And whether it's therapy or something else, those things will not come to light without space for personal reflection. That's why personal reflection drives spiritual growth. Because you, uh, God knows this stuff, and sometimes we don't even know it ourselves. Let's talk about CrossFit. Some of you, are, did I hear a woo? That's awesome. Some of you are excited. Some of you are ready to leave. Um, it, it, it'll be short. You, you may know this about me. I've uh, done CrossFit for a few years. Now, CrossFit and I are currently on a break because of uh, said shoulder issue that I was Googling. Um, <laughs> WebMD, so, I, but at some point, maybe I'll, I'll get back to it. Um, one of the things that makes CrossFit a rewarding experience is there is an emphasis on personal tracking. Now, uh, what that means is you just measure things. So you do something, like you pick up a weight, and you write down, I picked up this much weight. Um, and then you, you know, keep doing workouts, and then you come back a couple months later, and you do the same thing, and you pick up another, the weight, and you're like, oh, I picked up 
this much weight. You're like, oh, look at that. It's more. And so even though you go to a CrossFit gym and there's people doing stuff that's like, I could never do that sort of thing, you look at like you're tracking and you're like, wow, I'm doing more than I did. And you start to feel like you are making progress. You start to feel success. And that is the focus of CrossFit as opposed to comparing yourself to someone else. Uh, it, it is comparing yourself to who you used to be. That's how they approach it. Now, here's how it relates to, to what I'm talking about. I bet most of us don't feel really great most of the time about our spiritual life. Like if I stopped you on the street and said, how are you doing spiritually? I bet like none of us would be like, great, I'm just like Jesus. You know, I'm, probably most of us would say I could be better. You know, I should, there's some stuff I should be doing. I'm kind of struggling with this. Um, a really important question to ask when we are dissatisfied with our spiritual life is why? Why are we dissatisfied? Why do we feel bad about our spiritual life? And what I think happens for most of us is we get in our head a couple of things that it's like that's what we're measuring. Like, did I yell at my kids this week? Or did I read my Bible this week? Or did I look at porn this week? And if the answers to those questions are not what we would like them to be, then we feel spiritual shame. Like, oh. Here's the thing, though. That's not actually how spiritual growth works. A vague sense of spiritual shame will do nothing to transform you. Shame has never transformed anyone ever, right? The reason CrossFit works is because if you showed up every day for a workout and you left feeling like a failure, what would happen? You'd stop because nobody likes that. You would not keep doing it. So they make you write stuff down so they can help you see the progress that you're making. And while you may not be able to lift what somebody else can lift, you will see I'm getting stronger. Same thing is true spiritually. When we feel like a failure spiritually and we, when we just live with a vague sense of spiritual shame, that should be better. It makes us stop. Or, or worse, it makes us start faking it around people we care about. Spiritual shame is toxic to our soul. None of us will continue to do something when we feel like we are failing all the time. So here's what I want to say to us today, and I just take this for what it's worth. I think this could be true of you. In your spiritual life, you may not be doing as bad as you think you're doing. You may not in your spiritual life. The issue may simply be this. You've not given yourself enough space for personal reflection. And personal reflection drives spiritual growth because you're able to sit down and ask questions related to who I am. That's what the psalmist is talking about, God, how you created me. Related to who I am, how am I doing? Uh, related to who I am, there's gonna be some things that I uniquely struggle with that you may not, and there's gonna be some things that I am good at that you may not be good at because it's, it's contingent upon how God designed us, how God created us to be. And when you begin to see progress relative to where you are, you might just discover you aren't doing as bad as you thought you were. Whereas shame shuts down spiritual growth, progress encourages it. This is true about you spiritually. You are not in a contest with anyone else. You're not. And you're not in a contest with some arbitrary standard. 
The only way to measure, to effectively measure how you're doing spiritually is to understand who God created you to be. Your spiritual progress is tied to who you were and who you were created to be. It's tied to where you used to be and where God wants you to be. That's all. Reflection gives us space to really know in light of who I am, how am I doing spiritually? And that's why the psalmist says to God, you created me in my inmost being. You know me. Give me insight into my spiritual growth, God. What does it look like? Help me know how I'm doing. When you do that over time, you may be delighted to discover that instead of spiritual shame, you start living with spiritual confidence because you're not doing as bad as you thought you're doing. And you're starting to celebrate, gosh, the Holy Spirit is working in me. Gosh, I'm being redeemed. I'm not there yet, but I'm seeing some things that God is doing in me. And that sort of progress fuels more growth in us. Lastly, let me make a suggestion. This is a journal. This is my journal. Um, from time to time, I sit down with it and I write stuff in it. I don't really use it like a diary um, I use it like uh, write stuff that I want to take notes about or that sort of thing. But sometimes, periodically, I sit down and I try to, in this journal, do some personal spiritual reflection about some of those bigger questions in life. Here's what I want to suggest. That you, this week, take 5 to 20, I mean, I guess you could get really expensive journals, but they're not that expensive. But you take some of your hard-earned money and you go out and you buy one of these if you don't have one already. And then what I want to suggest is that you sit down, you find a page in there, and you sit down with God, and you do what the psalmist is doing in Psalm 139. You reflect on how is my spiritual life going. I want to give you two starter questions, just as suggestions here. You can write these down, or you can take a picture of them um, and come back to them later. Here, here's kind of two starter questions. The first one is this, God, where am I making spiritual progress? Let's start there because I think the easiest thing for most of us is to say, God, what should I be doing better? Uh, but instead of that, let's look for those moments where the Holy Spirit is doing something with us and go to God and say, God, is, am I making spiritual progress? Show me the spiritual progress that I'm making. And then here's the second question. God, what is one way that you are leading someone like me forward into the way everlasting? Now that, uh, to two words like me is really important because it's not going to necessarily be like anyone else. Please don't borrow the spiritual disciplines of someone else. God has something for you if you'll ask him. God, what's one way you're leading someone like me forward and give him space to speak to you? Now, if you don't want to use those questions, great. I think it's better when we come up with our own. Maybe you want to start in Psalm 139 and write your own questions Maybe you need to sit down with a therapist or a life coach or a trusted friend, talk to someone about your spiritual life. However you do it, it is that humble acknowledgement that, God, I need insight into who I am and how I'm doing, and I need leadership and guidance on how to move forward. We cannot grow without it, so we have to make time for spiritual reflection. Last thing, we realize this is something, as a community of faith, that we can help each other with this. This is something we can do 
together. And so next week, we're going to build a service around this discipline of spiritual reflection. We've come up with this resource that we think will be real useful that we want to do periodically um, in uh, the future of our uh, faith community here. Uh, we're going to start that next week. It's going to be one of our rhythms, though, moving forward. We'll tell you a little bit more about it next week, but here's what I want you to do. Uh, next week, could you bring your journal and could you bring, if you have like a smartphone or a tablet or something that connects to the internet, if you don't, we'll make it do with paper. We'll figure it out. But uh, if you do have something like that, bring it, uh, and we'll give you more instructions next Sunday. David says this, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We cannot grow without space for personal reflection. We can't, we need guidance. There's stuff about us we don't know. We need to know how to move forward and we need to make space for God to speak into those bigger questions. And when we do, we just might discover we're not doing as bad as we thought. Can I pray over you as you think about this this week? Lord, I'm thankful for my friends here I'm thankful, God, that you take thought of each of us, that you have a word for each of us, you have something that you want to say to each of us. God, I pray for us that we would just receive it and make space for it. I pray that we'd pull away to hear from you. And I pray that in those moments that you would meet us. We're thankful for your grace. We need you to speak to us about who we are, who we're becoming, and we need you to guide us in the life everlasting.